Hi, welcome to Chatting to a Friend. I'm Katie Friend and in this podcast I'm chatting to incredible women about their life experiences and adventures as well as their thoughts on friendship, community, self-care, setting boundaries and how they keep healthy, happy and sane. Before I start this episode, I would like to thank some very special people who have left reviews this week. You know who you are, but I'm also going to say thank you to Shortcut Mum from Switzerland, Lucy Bread from Great Britain, and One Day Adventurer also from Great Britain, as well as Stina Wegg from the United States. It's just so incredible to have the feedback. I really love it. And anybody who else who would like to leave me a review will get a mention at the beginning of any future podcast. So thank you. Today's guest is the incredible and fascinating Geraldine Fasnacht, who's a Swiss snowboarder and a wingsuit pilot. She's the three-time winner of the Verbier Extreme in her home resort of Verbier in Switzerland. And she was the first person to wingsuit off the Matterhorn, the iconic Swiss mountain. This interview surprised me, actually, because you think of snowboarding and wingsuit flying as adrenaline-seeking junkies. But really, Geraldine talks about communing with nature and the freedom and peace that she feels and finds in the mountains. It's fascinating. We talk about her early career and how she's hoping to bring up her son to perhaps follow in her footsteps, but as long as he has a passion. Enjoy. Hi, Geraldine. How are you today? Hi, Cathy. I'm really good. Thank you. Good. And you're in Verbier just now? I'm uh, in Verbier right now and enjoying the, the beauty of the sky. The snow just came down and the mountains are all white. It's beautiful. Oh, how amazing. So you're getting ready for another season of snowboarding? Yeah, definitely. And I'm really looking forward to to ride some powder. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just want to touch briefly on your achievements because... Uh, they're quite extraordinary. Three-time winner of the Verbi Extreme. Now, for those who do not know what the Verbi Extreme is, perhaps you could uh, explain to us. Um, the Verbi Extreme is uh, the competition if you are a freerider uh, that you are dreaming of uh, to, to be part of, because uh, that was my dream when I was 15, 15 and I was looking at the Bec des Ross. It's an incredible mountain, really steep, 55 degrees steep, 800 meters denivelation. And uh, it's at uh, 3,222 meters high. And when you look at this face, uh, first you think that it's impossible to go down because it's so rocky. But there is uh, lots of lines in these beautiful mountains that you can ride down. And this is the, the Bec des Ross and really the most extreme competition of the world. And you've won it three times. Yes, I did. Uh, the first time in 2002, 2003, the second time in 2009. Incredible. And so apart from being uh, a free riding goddess, let's put that quite <laughs> bluntly, um, you are also... Now, I don't know what you say it in English. Is it a wingsuiter, a wingsuit pilot? What is what what is one when one does wingsuiting? I like to say wingsuit pilots mm -hmm. because uh, now with the evolution of the wingsuits, you really feel like a pilot. You really have to pilot your suit. And when did you start? How did you get into that? Um, I was looking, as I was competing on freeride competition since uh, the age of uh, 15, I needed to train uh, all year long and uh, I love to have fun in my training sessions. And I love so much the mountain that I wanted to find a sport in summer that I was enjoying uh, as much as snowboarding and to, to make me um, enjoying climbing to the summit of a mountain as well in summer. And I tried climbing, I tried biking, I tried hiking, climbing, but that was not as uh, good as snowboarding. And when I discovered base jumping, I, I really find, for me, the, the perfect parallel with, uh, with uh, snowboarding, freeride snowboarding. And the evolution of base jumping, I started wingsuit flying, and now with the evolution of the wingsuit flying, I can really 
fly lines, like I'm riding lines on the mountains with my snowboard, with uh, uh, really using the, the beauty of the shape of the mountain and, and the lights. That sounds absolutely incredible. Well, actually, for me, it sounds terrifying, but <laughs> you describe it very beautifully. How do you take the very first jump? How do you how do you do that? Um, I started skydiving when uh, I was 18 years old uh, in 1998. And I find out that uh, I would not be ready really soon to base jump off a cliff because I, uh, you really feel that you have to understand your, your body in the air first. And it took me over 300 skydives from a plane to do my first base jump from a bridge. And uh, from a bridge, for me, that was, uh, as you say, terrifying because it's not uh, the mountain. Is not In the mountain, you know, you are uh, in a quiet place. It's, uh, it's beautiful. You can be by yourself. Uh, you have uh, the beauty of the landscape in front of you. But from a bridge, it's important to start from a bridge because you don't have the wall behind you if you have a... Uh, a bad opening you cannot hit anything mm -hmm. so this is good for security but the the bad thing about it for me it's a, a an urban jump so mm. it was full of cars it was full of noise it was it was not my element at at all mm -hmm. <laughs> so I was running on the bridge running over the the fence jumping off the the bridge and as soon as I was in the air I was again in my element and I opened my parachute uh, it was uh, it was perfect I landed and I was like actually I don't know if this is a sport I want to do because uh, the urban uh, element was not my thing mm -hmm. but when I did my first base jump off a cliff after uh, like it was for my fourth or fifth jump uh, I really find out that that was what I wanted to do. And when you say in your element and you've described the beauty and the magic and it feels like a the line that you take when you're snowboarding how do you feel inside like what does it help you D does it dislocate from real life? Are you able to just feel f free? Yeah, yeah, I think it's a part of this. And it's uh, wh when you go in the mountain and you want to ride a line in the powder uh, with the, the perfect conditions, it's not every day. Mm. So, and it's not always perfect and good than the way you want it to be so that's uh, that's why the mountain is magic because the day that everything is perfect all the elements are there the powder is just perfect the light is beautiful the conditions are great and safe and you can do your turns your powder turns and enjoying it as much as you can <laughs> and and do it all the way down um, I feel just lucky to be there and enjoy the mountain the way it is. And, and this is the same when I'm base jumping. It's not every day that uh, the conditions are perfect to fly with a, a nice thermal wind and, and the calm conditions and uh, to have a, a perfectly safe jump. So I always... I love the communion I need to have with the mountain, with the with the, the elements to understand if the conditions are good or not, and to make my decision if I go down or I or I turn around. Uh, so this is also really important for me to to have this connection with the mountain, understand the element, and being in the mountain as much as I can to understand this and do the right decisions. And how does that translate into real life? Because you have to weigh up risks, decide whether it's a perfect day, because in real life, obviously, everything we do, you, there are rarely perfect moments, perfect days. How does what you do translate into living a, a, your life? And, and I know you do talks and speeches and so on. How, what do you tell people about how to translate that into, into their everyday life? The, the, there is a risk in the everyday life and I do a lot of speeches about the risk management and uh, doing parallels with, uh, with uh, professional life as well. 
And because when you look at my life or you look at what I'm doing, a lot of people think that uh, this is uh, totally mad, a crazy sport or extreme sport. A lot of people are talking about extreme sports. Uh, I just, for me, it's really much more about the communion of the elements and finding the right town, the right time to to enjoy the mountains. So it's a lot of. Um, it's a lot of time it's really it's dedication it's a lot of training it's a lot of time for training and also being out there to understand how the elements work where i can understand and feel the messages that the nature is uh, is giving me to to decide when it's good to go or when it's good to to just turn around and stay at home and this is the same in the real life. Uh, sometimes you are aiming for a project, you give all your energy to to be able to realize this project, and suddenly you have few messages that are uh, going against you. That sometimes that you just have to adapt your line, you have to adapt the the way you are working on the project, or with which people you you need to to go forward and this is exact the the exact same way i'm doing my project in the mountain i have to adapt all the time and this is why it's super interesting to to be in the nature because the nature is always different from a day to another but sometimes from an hour to another and you have to adapt mm. interesting and you mentioned there people and obviously, uh, you must work with a, a really strong team. You must need to trust the people that you ride with, that you fly with, and the community spirit within well, when you were on the Free Wired World Tour and now within uh, the Wingsuit community. That, how important is that? This is really important because when you are in, in the mountains, you cannot lie to yourself and to the others because... For sure, we're gonna find it out in the next mm. few minutes that uh, that's it's not gonna work, and that's why I'm most of the time working with the same persons because I trust and I know the way they are in the mountain. I know their limits, and they also they are not scared to tell me their limits. I'm not scared about telling them my limits, and if I decide to turn around, uh, nobody is asking why or they just accept or if uh, someone is not feeling the, the project well or the day in the morning we we discuss and if some someone has a bad feeling we we have to talk about it because when you are on on site in the mountain and there is some there is some point that it's pretty hard to turn around so it's better it's always better to make the decision before and to talk about this before and in the mountain you cannot lie to to your neighbor or you cannot lie to yourself when you are uh sharing the rope with someone you need to be sure that uh you want you want to be safe mm. you don't want to expose yourself and I saw a post on Instagram by your husband recently. I think maybe in the summer you both went to, to uh, climb the Matterhorn and fly off, which you famously did a few years ago as the first person, I believe the first person to ever have done that. Yes, I did open the the summit of the Matterhorn with my wingsuit in uh, 2014. And I want to come back to that, but I wanted to just mention this post I saw that your husband put up mm -hmm. in the summer. And he said that it had been a really hard day for him because he was really afraid climbing the mountain, but that he was so, he felt so lucky and privileged to have you next to him because you, you were a really, really strong for him. That must be an incredible feeling to be able to help each other like that. Yeah. And I'm lucky I have a man like him by my side because he's really an exceptional person and this is, I think, why um, we are so happy together because he he's really strong in a lot of things. Uh, I sometimes I am stronger in other t other disciplines, and we really share and help each other. 
and we can achieve more things together. So that's super cool. That is very cool. So let's yeah. go back to 2014. And how did this come about you deciding to fly off the Matterhorn? Uh, for me, skydiving, base jumping is um, the pleasure is to always open new, new mountains, new lines uh, and exploring new mountains like I've been doing with my snowboard since uh, I was uh, I was 15 years old because I grew up in Verbier and the ski resort of Verbier we have a, a itinerary that a free ride itinerary that are safe uh, that are bombed in winter and we can uh, safely ride powder off uh, off piste but on this itinerary so I think this helped me to to push myself to discover a little bit further the mountain and uh, to achieve a lot of things in, in snowboarding. And this became my mindset in everything that I was doing. And it started to be my mindset as well in base jumping and, and, and wingsuit flying. And when I started uh, to jump different mountains with my, with my, uh, uh, with my wingsuit, I thought, okay, I've been doing this and this and that, but now I want to, explore other places in Switzerland but also in the world and I start to explore new places where I could open new jumps so I did open the first base jump in Antarctica I did few uh, openings as well in uh, uh, Baffin Island uh, in Iran in uh, in different places in the world and uh, I wanted to open as well, big mountains in the Alps and major mountains like the uh, Drue, the Matterhorn. It was uh, it was really in my mind, but uh, at the time it was not possible because the wingsuits were not technically good enough. We were not flying well enough to base jump off a mountain that was not completely vertical mm. for at least um, three to four hundred uh, vertical. Uh, meter drop and uh, the Matterhorn was not that much uh, it was only uh, I thought at the time around 100 100 meter 50 but without going up there and checking exactly on site with a laser you cannot know for sure how many meters you're gonna get and suddenly in 2012 I, I received a new wingsuit that was uh, really, really good, and uh, like was making a big step forward uh, in the in the world of wingsuiting, because uh, instead of having a glide of one, that, so a glide of one, that means for one meter vertical drop, I was flying one meter uh, horizontal distance, and suddenly with this new wingsuit, I was close to. Three meters, dis- three meters distance. Wow! And uh, that's three times better. And the takeoff uh, was much better as well. I had a one-to-one at the takeoff. So I thought, now in 2012, this is the time that everything is going to change. I can start to open real mountains, not only a vertical cliff that is above a valley. But I can go to big mountains like mm. uh, Les Drues, Les Contreras, the, the Matterhorn, and all these big mountains. I have to go up there and check and check this out and check if there is mm. an exit point up there. And the Matterhorn, I I went up with my snowboard uh, in 2009 up the east face to to snowboard down the east face, and I and as well to check. The big noise, of, uh, the big nose of the Matterhorn above my head, and I was like, actually, it looks pretty big, so it would be a good idea to go and check it out with my wingsuit one day. And so it's it's kind of a jump that needed to be built in my head, in my mind, but also because of the the um, the technical aspect of the wingsuit, I couldn't do it before. And uh, suddenly in 2012, when I opened the Les Drues over Chamonix with my new prototype of wingsuit that was really good, 
but it was 140 vertical drop to, to fly down, to mm -hmm. jump off Les Drues. Suddenly, at that time, when everybody was saying that it was impossible to jump big mountains, the mindset of everyone in the sport did change. And they were like, actually, now it's possible to jump off mountains that are not completely vertical. And a lot of uh, base jumps uh, started to be open in Chamonix, the uh, Aiguille du Midi, Le Brevent, and different other base jumps. And I really had this Matterhorn in my mind, but I thought that it was probably too early and I would need to wait for the next wingsuits would be, that would be a little bit more um, efficient for the takeoff. Mm -hmm. And when I received this new wingsuit uh, in 2000, the, the end of the year 2013, I tested this wingsuit and I tried it to jump uh, to jump it as well as I could. And I decided that was the right wingsuit to use for the Matterhorn. And I decided to go there in June with my friend Julian. And when we arrived up there, we find a super beautiful takeoff and we could open it. Amazing. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. And then a few years later, was it last year, there was the exhibition in Zermatt about the women, the history of women and the Matterhorn. You were celebrating. Yeah, that was last summer. Mm -hmm. Extraordinary. And uh, all about the women who, the first woman who climbed it in long skirts and a <laughs> yeah. corset and stuff. Oh, la, la. Lissy Walker, actually, it was a, a woman before her that tried to, to climb the Matterhorn with a skirt. She couldn't mm -hmm. achieve it. And Lissy Walker finally was the first woman who did the Matterhorn, uh, but she decided to to put a pair of trousers to achieve the summit <laughs> of the Matterhorn. So a lot of people were really uh, saying that uh, that was not normal for a woman to be with a pair of trousers. And so she had a lot of uh, really bad, uh, bad comments uh, about her ascent, but she did. Uh, and she was the first woman at the summit of the Matterhorn. And uh, it, it was a really tough woman. <laughs> I think it was something incredible, like, yeah, something incredible, like 1861 or something. It's something as early as that. Don't quote me on that, but it, 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 incredible, absolutely incredible. And in terms of, you know, achievements and uh, things that you are proud of you are an ambassador for Verbier now as well yes I am really proud because Verbier is really the place I choose to live because uh, uh, as a child my parents uh, were coming here to to ski we were coming here every weekend every vacations I've learned everything here I've learned as well uh, to enjoy the mountains in summer and uh, to to love the mountains, I mean, to respect the nature, to be in the nature. This is really my my playground where I've learned everything. And to be now uh, able to to represent and to be the ambassador of the region I love so much, it's, uh, yeah, I'm really proud and happy and uh, I feel really lucky as well. Amazing. And you are bringing up uh, a little boy now here as well mm. to follow in his mummy's footsteps. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> and because I, I wanted to ask you about motherhood. Um, first of all, two things, actually. First of all, I, I think I read somewhere that when you were invited to join the Freeride World Tour, it was actually your own mother that encouraged you to go and properly immerse yourself in training and preparation, saying you can get another job anytime. That's um, really extraordinary. <laughs> yeah, she didn't know exactly what was uh, very extreme at that time, I think. <laughs> That's why. Yeah. But actually, yes, uh, I was really in a difficult position because since I, I, was a, I was a child, my parents always uh, told me that it's really important to have a passion or two or three if you want uh, it's really important to do sports but the most important is to have a good job uh. and um, so that's uh, that was really the mindset of uh, of my parents and they were both working really a lot and uh, they even had two businesses uh, both of them so they were really really busy 
And uh, when I finished the normal school, I started an apprenticeship in at Geneva Airport, and I did uh, uh, I did uh, uh, different trips uh, in Australia, in Spain, uh, in different countries to to um, achieve some degrees in and learn different different languages. Uh, and after a year, when I came back, I did a degree uh, on the load as a load controller uh, at the at Geneva Airport for Swissair. And I had a really good and interesting job at that time uh, for my, my small age of uh, 21. So my father was really proud and I was really happy. I could travel a lot. I had a really interesting job. And suddenly, as I was snowboarding a lot and doing as well some competition during my spare time, I received this phone call from Nicola Hillwood to invite me to participate on the Verbi Extreme in March 2002. And when he called me, that was just uh, in October the, the, the 2001 to to invite me, and I was that was the dream of my life. I just did answer yes straight away. I didn't think about another answer. And when I hang up the phone, I was like, actually, with my life. Uh, this is just not fitting at all. I cannot be able to to compete on the Verbi Extreme and work uh, 100% at Geneva Airport, uh, starting at 5 in the morning and sometimes finishing at midnight. Oof. That's just not fitting. And uh, that's when I asked my mother and I said to her, actually, this is really tough for me because I love my job and I don't want to lose my job. I already asked my manager if I can have a three months off uh, without being paid uh, for January, February and March. But he said, no, what I should do. And she was like, do you think that if you decide not to go and compete at the very extreme, uh, you will lose something and you will regret it for all your life? And I was like, oh, yes, <laughs> because this <laughs> is really something that you... This is an invitation that you receive once in your life. Mm. And she said, okay, so now you have your answer. Uh, a job, you can always find a job. Maybe not the dream job you have right now, but maybe another one. Uh, but you have to accept it if you decide to leave this job. And I'm like, okay. So first of all, let's uh, jump in the train, get to Verbier and see if uh, I can find a a job up there and the and the flat we, without so much trouble. It means that I have to be in Verbier this winter, <laughs> <laughs> and it worked out really quick. I find a job, I find a flat really easily, and I was like, okay, so now the life is uh, is pushing me there. <laughs> uh, I love that. I love the the whole. You know, if you if you think you might regret it for the rest of your life, then that is the choice. That's the only answer. Amazing. I was talking to somebody the other day who said pretty much the same thing. It's about, you know, will you, how will you feel if you don't do the thing rather than what if and what if and what if. So I love that. And in terms of becoming a mum yourself, I'm interested to know how many people have asked you if you're going to change what you do because you're now a mum. Everybody, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, even myself. Mm -hmm. uh, I was open about this idea uh, when I when I found out that I was pregnant. Uh, I just said to my partners and my sponsors, I just said, I leave the door open to say that maybe already when I'm pregnant or when I will see this li little baby or have this little baby in my life that I would probably not want to fly anymore or not want to ride anymore or going in the mountains and uh, but actually I find out that um, this is my life and this is me and I cannot I cannot live without the mountain and I cannot live without uh, my way of enjoying the mountains. But I do it uh, differently and I do it uh, as I've been doing it until now uh, with the awareness of my level. And uh, now I know 
that my level is not as high as I used to be because after a pregnancy and after a birth and after uh, now nearly uh, my my baby is nearly 11 months now um, I want to to give him some time I want to spend time with him uh, I didn't wait so much time to have a baby to not spend time with him mm. so I cannot train as much as I was so I enjoy the mountain the way I can with the le level I have technically, physically, mentally. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And I'm also interested to know how many people have asked your husband the same question? <laughs> um, yeah, nearly everybody. Same? And yeah, it's the same because uh, they know that we are flying together. Mm. Uh, even some people were asking us uh, now you're not flying together anymore you fly uh, maybe one day one is flying the other one is staying with the baby or one is staying on the ground at, at least mm. <laughs> and we're like no sometimes we go flying together with with uh, also with my plane sometimes we go flying together when we go flying the when we go wingsuit flying we love flying together and I think that's also why we love each other so much because we we share this passion that is really intense and we share some some moments in the air that you are not able to explain or put any word word on this mm. and this is really really special um to to be able to share this in a couple but definitely um, we, when the conditions are so-so, sometimes we're just going to the top and checking the condition on top and sometimes going down uh, by foot. But now if we are, we, we check the conditions and they are half, half and half, we, we most of the time don't want to spend some time just to go and check the conditions if they're finally good or not. We rather stay with the baby and enjoy our time with our baby because we we love spending time together uh, as a family, the three of us. That's really magical. I love that you have that sort of intense passion that you share. That sounds uh, like a really wonderful way to spend time together. I mean, I get nervous being on the same flight as my husband if the children are not with us. I think mm. I always think if we're together and something happens while well, we're together, but if it's just the two of us. So I think that's absolutely extraordinary that you've both realized that it's a passion you do not want to give up, but that you are managing your life and your expectations around that. I'm also nervous when I'm on the same flight of, as my husband when I'm not the pilot in command. Uh, so if we plan to go together uh, somewhere, I'd rather go the three of us. If we are in a in a plane where there is another pilot in command, <laughs> when I am the pilot in command, it's different because I know what's going on and I know uh, what I'm able to do. But and this is also um, what what people see about wingsuit flying. Most of the time, they think that this is a crazy sport, etc., mm. etc. Et but there's a different way of uh, of flying, like uh, snowboarding or skiing. There is a different way of exposing yourself in mm. the mountain. Some people like to expose themselves. Some people like to enjoy themselves. And uh, we like to enjoy ourselves. And uh, even sometimes we we fly together or jump together. Uh, we are we are the pilot of our. <laughs> of our plane and uh, if something happened to the both of us on the same day this is really not I, I mean it, it cannot happen because we both have our, we each of us have uh, our own wingsuit our own parachute but being this in the same plane with another pilot in command without the baby I don't think I would do it. <laughs> it is hard. I, I don't like it at all. Talking mm. of your plane, you have a, a quite a special, very light plane, is that I understand? And you've been, you've taken it to some extraordinary places. Yes, uh, I, I love uh, 
landing on the uh, I love flying on the glacier in the mountains and landing on the glaciers as well mm-hmm. and as my plane is uh, is super light I really have to play with the, the conditions and the thermal winds to be able to fly high so this is uh, this is making the flight really technical but this is what I like uh, but because this plane is really um, not consuming uh, a lot of uh, of uh, of uh, gas because mm-hmm. it's not fuel I'm putting in this plane. It's really an ultralight plane that is uh, using uh, sans plomb gas, like a like a car, unleaded. Yeah, yeah unleaded. Thank you. And this is uh, only 15 liters uh, for an hour of flight. Wow! So it's less than a car, and this is what I like about this and. As uh, light is the plane, only 300 kilos, I can really play with the conditions and stay high and fly better if I fly at the right places. So it's like wingsuit flying with a small plane. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I, I have um, a question on how you look after yourself because you lead a very high adrenaline life. Now, I know from what I've understood today, you've actually made me see that perhaps it's not as insanely adrenaline filled as I as the sort of casual observer might think but still there you know there must be spikes of adrenaline and you know you do some potentially dangerous things how do you balance that in your everyday life how do you look after yourself to make sure that there's not an overload when uh, when I'm at home, I like to um, to take care of myself. I like to also chill. I like to enjoy my family, and I like to have a really cozy life. Uh, and when I go out in the mountains, sometimes I like to just chill as well. I just put my trainers on and I go for a walk or for a hike or for a run. Uh, because I just don't want to think uh, too much about what I'm doing. When you go for a flight or when you go for a big mountain riding, you have to think so much about the condition. You have to understand, you have to feel, you have to... It's it's a lot of... Uh, of um... Yeah, it takes a lot of energy. And uh, some days I just don't want to think. I just don't want to to look at the weather forecast uh, 20 times a day to make sure that <laughs> I have uh, the good conditions to do this or this or that. And uh, that's why sometimes I just go for a run around the house or for a hike uh, to Les Ruinettes and back down. And this is way enough. I'm, I just need to be outside and to be in the fresh air and to touch a tree or be in, in the mountain. Lovely. And what plans for the future? What's, what's cooking? <laughs> it's cooking uh, that um, there is some plans uh, to write beautiful face for the winter. Mm-hmm. So uh, we want to share some lines together with uh, Xavier Delorue, mm-hmm. with Leo Slemet. And that's really cool because uh, we all live really close to each other. So this is pretty nice. And uh, I want to share some lines with them uh, with my ultralight plane. We want to land on glaciers and go to climb and write some beautiful lines together. So this is uh, really cool. And these lines are going to be in good conditions uh, only from mid-February, end of February. So before, I'm going to train uh, a lot with my plane to be able to really land perfectly where I want. Mm-hmm. Because this needs to be trained as well, like base jumping or like uh, riding. You have to train a lot to be um, really, really precise. Uh, so that I will do that uh, next uh, next week. Uh, I'm gonna start to fly my plane a lot, to to go and recognize some uh, beautiful places to go landing. And uh, since uh, three weekends now, I'm snowboarding in Verbier because now it's open mm. and we are super lucky. We can enjoy the snow. So this is what is cooking for the winter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when you land the plane, and take a line and and snowboard down. How do you get back to it? Do you have to hike back up or? 
usually I land at the bottom of the line and we climb directly the line up. Uh-huh. So because the mountains that we are interesting of are above <laughs> the glaciers, they're really high. Mm. And so we land on the glaciers in between uh, 2,800 meters to 3,000 or 3,500 meters. And we leave the plane there. Sometimes we arrive the day before, we check the line, we sleep in the tent next to the plane. And middle of the night, we start to climb and then we ride the line. Then we pick up the plane again and we leave. <laughs> that sounds amazing. It makes much more sense than my ridiculous suggestion. Uh, how exciting. <laughs> how do you, you lead a very adventurous life, which as you've mentioned a couple of times now, you've, you realize how lucky you are. How do you try to encourage people to have to live more adventurously in their everyday life? Because, you know, not everybody is blessed to live in the beautiful mountains or, you know, have the sort of um, amount of fresh air and nature that we do. Definitely. But uh, what I'm saying most of the time when people are telling me that I'm lucky, I know that I'm lucky, but... Uh, I I did choose my life mm. as well. I decided sometimes I had to, to make difficult decisions. Uh, like the first one I told you before, leaving the, the Geneva airport where I, where I had a really good salary, a really good position as a manager already at only 21 years old. Uh, I was able to travel around the world for only 10% of the flight tickets because I was working for the airline. Uh, that was pretty cool to go just for the weekend in uh, New York to see my boy- my boyfriend at the time. <laughs> and uh, this is this was a total different life that I decided uh, to completely change for my passion that was snowboarding. And when I decided to quit the, the airport, uh, I quit the airport for, um, I just didn't know what was going to happen in the, in the near future. I just knew that I had a flat and I had just enough money to pay my, my rent and to pay my food. Uh, but really, really just enough Mm. I was working uh, at the travel agency in Verbier in the afternoon from 2 to 6 and from 6 30 to midnight I was working in a pizzeria Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and at midnight I was going straight to to bed to be able to wake up early to go riding at 8 30 in the morning to go training for the Verbier Extreme until 1 1 30 in the afternoon and then I was jumping into into the travel agency <laughs> to work again, so that was uh, that was the the life I started to move on because my 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 dream was to be able to be part of the Verbi Extreme, mm. and then I won the Verbi Extreme, and for the first time of my life, I had a sponsor that asked me to have a contract mm. to to snowboard for them. And I was just like, excuse me, I don't understand what is a contract <laughs> to snowboard for you. And they were like, yeah, you, we want you to snowboard for us. So we will pay you to be able to snowboard and compete again next year. And I was like, uh, actually, I don't really understand. They had to ask to explain me <laughs> that I was going to be a professional athlete. And because uh, that was not really existing at the time. It was mm. uh, you could be a professional athlete into freestyle snowboarding or into slalom snowboarding, but into free riding, uh, I was I was not expecting to have uh, to have a contract and to have money to to do my to do my passion every day, and uh, I decided to stay in Verbier one more year, and I thought, okay, so I do one more year, and then I go back to work <laughs> to Geneva Airport. <laughs> And then I won it again. I won the Verbi Extreme again. And I was like, okay, so I do one more year and then I go back to Geneva again. And uh, after eight years on the Freeride World Tour, I was like, okay, so now I stay in Verbi. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely I'm, I'm good here and this is my place. Uh, but when I choose as well this uh, life to 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 go for, for snowboarding, I had also some barrier in front of me. And the, the first one was my father. My father was really, really uh, angry with me. And 
he didn't want to speak to me for for over three months Oof. and when I won the Verbi Extreme he was the first one who cried at the bottom <laughs> of the face and was really proud and understood that I did it didn't quit my job just uh, just like that it was uh, it was for a real dream and it was really for for something that I was looking for um, since uh, I was uh, I was a child and uh, I did I did work on the side I didn't I didn't quit my job for nothing and without money mm. I organized my life and he understood that it was really something that I had to do in my life so this is really what I'm saying to the people if you really want something and you're really uh, aiming for it you really have in front of you you have to visualize it you will find the solution to 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 reach your dream but if you if you don't have dream uh, life is pretty pretty sad I would say because if I look at my life uh, through the different steps or different uh, adventure or I would say not adventure but um, <laughs> life sometimes is uh, giving giving you uh, special moments to go through but with all the dreams I had in front of me I always find the energy to go on I always find the 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 trusts to that I wanted to 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 be there to 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 enjoy more and to stand up again on my feet and go forward and I think the passion for the mountain helped me in every every difficult steps I had to do in my life extraordinary I love that this from the very first sentence you gave me in this interview that has shone through in everything the the love of the mountains and the freedom and the feeling that they give you and sort of like therapy and everything just I love that and that's almost what 20 years later you're still you still feel it as strongly Yes, yes, I do, and I don't. I don't need to be because a lot of people think that when we do, ex I, I call them exposed sport, not extreme sport, but mm. exposed. Uh, we need to be on the edge all the time. This is not at all the case. Uh, at least for me, I'm not feeling it like that. I can I can lie on the on the ground and touch a tree, and I feel totally connected. Uh, the exactly the same way when I'm flying into my wingsuit and I'm totally connected with with the air it's just this connection sometimes like a meditation mm. uh, when I fly or when I ride uh, I'm sure you have been riding some powder one day and you feel that you you really are flying on the mountain in this perfect powder with your skis or with your snowboard mm. and you're like this is just the perfect moment I was aiming for and when you are in the meditation or when you are flying with your wingsuit and you feel your entire body uh, flying in this uh, in in the air and when you when you're pushing a little bit on the right on the left you can you can go just exactly where you want and this is just the perfect timing and the perfect light and the perfect everything is perfect <laughs> and uh, i i think i for for me, I don't do these sports because I have a rush of adrenaline every time I'm, mm. I I jump or every time I ride. I really have so much uh, love for the mountain and for the sports I do because I really have this connection again with the the element and and the nature all the time. This is really what I love uh, about my sports. And do you? have a vision for your son to have you said at the beginning your parents wanted you to have a passion and do sport and have a good job what hopes do you have for him I really hope he will find a passion as well uh, it could be anything it could be uh, music it could be uh, it could be uh, anything I'm mm. really not uh, pushing him in in uh, any sport or anything I just want him to try 
everything to see what he liked the mm-hmm. most. But what I can see <laughs> since he was born, uh, for him, it's really important to be outside. Mm. He needs to be outside every day. Yeah. <laughs> He needs to get some fresh air and he loves, uh, he really loves nature. Every time we are outside, he needs to touch trees, the trees or grass or uh, the flowers. He, he loves as well the nature. He loves to be outside. And this is already something that I am really proud of and really happy for him that he loves the nature so much. That is lovely. He's taking after his mummy. <laughs> How lovely. Yeah. Uh, Geraldine, thank you so, so much for joining me today. Um, we've taken a little while to to connect, but it has been absolutely brilliant. I have loved hearing and I think I understand a little more about how it's not it's not an adrenaline rush. It's just this sort of communing with nature. And, and I, I'm really grateful to you for taking the time to explain that. Thank you very much uh, for having this interview with me. And it's uh, for me always a pleasure to to make interviews and trying to explain in, in uh, with more time and with my words uh, about this com- communion of the with the nature because this is uh, not always the way our sports is uh, is presented no. in the media and it's. Uh, it's important as well to to talk about this because a lot of other other base jumpers and a lot of other freeriders they are really looking for the same communion like me with the mountain and with the elements we are not just the adrenaline hunters like we can always hear around (laughs) yeah Oh, well, thank you. I know you've got to go and uh, offer a fashion shoot tomorrow for one of your sponsors. So <laughs> how that, that is fantastic. Thank you again. And I very much look forward to seeing you on the slopes or in the powder this winter. Yeah, with pleasure. And see you very soon in the powder. Maybe this weekend already. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back next week with another incredible episode of Chatting to a Friend. In the meantime, please give us a follow on Instagram, Chatting to a Friend, for all the latest news. Bye-bye.